You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, it's Bridget here. We are so excited to be at the upcoming New York City Wine and Food Festival. This is a star-studded four-day event showcasing the talents of the world's renowned chefs, wine and spirit experts, and more. The served up team will be in the middle of the action. Stay tuned for more info about the New York City Wine and Food Festival at the end of this show. I had the pleasure of chatting with the owner of Agave Forte, David Grapshi. He has a true passion for tequila. His dedication to the beverage industry started 25 years ago in positions in both liquor supply and distribution. Since then, Dave has created a widespread network of contacts, both stateside and abroad, especially pushing tequila to new heights. He remains a force in the production, distribution, and importation of Mexico's oldest and finest labels. Grabshi brought the brands of Siete Vegas, Hiradura, and El Dumidor into the fold of nationally recognized household name brands. He's played a crucial role with Gemini Spirits and Wine and the Corazon Barrel Expression Project, which barrel aged exceptional Blanco tequilas using Buffalo Traces antique collection bourbon barrels. David is also one of the founders of Tag Global Spirit Awards, and he shared his journey in the beverage industry, as well as how the Tag Global Spirit Awards came to be and what's to come. So sit back, grab yourself a glass of your favorite tequila and enjoy the show. Dave, welcome to Served Up. I am so excited to have you on the show today. My pleasure, Bridget. I've been looking forward to this all week, actually. Amazing, amazing. Well, I would love for you to tell our listeners a bit about your journey, and I want to take it all the way back to the beginning. And so if you can tell our listeners how you started off in the beverage world, Really, you know, take us through your path. Sure, sure. Well, I have to say uh, the beginning was purely accidental. So um, I moved to California in 1971, um, made very good friends with uh, someone I played softball with, and we're still very best of friends today. And um, I was, I had a go nowhere sort of job. And I was not very happy with it. You know, I'm, I'm all about passion. If I'm passionate about something, I'll stick it out. Okay. And uh, he, he said, you know, I have a friend in the wine business. Maybe you should go talk to him. I said, I don't know anything about wine. Uh, you know, it's, he said, go talk to him anyway. And I did. And uh, sure enough, he, he said, you know nothing about wine. So he, uh, he, he suggested that I go to work for like a Gallo or United Vintners, somebody like that sort of entry level. Um, and uh, I did. And it was a great, great experience. I got hired and uh, I spent the first uh, six years working for a company out of uh, San Francisco. 
had a East Bay territory. And um, so I have to tell you a, a little bit about when the business first started, when I first got into it, uh, there was a, a law in, on the books and it was called fair trade. Okay. Just like milk is fair trade. So you couldn't sell below a, uh, a retail price. And that changed uh, about 1976, I think. And everything went absolutely, completely berserk. I would, I went from selling bottles to selling containers because I lived two blocks away from the, the headquarters of Long's Drugs, which is now CBS, mm-hmm. part of CBS. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very, very close with those people. As a matter of fact, I played softball on their softball team. And uh, so I, I was, you know, I was in, so to speak. So uh, obviously I got to uh, meet some wonderful, wonderful people. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's come a long way from from uh, from the early days. So. From there, would you, would you like me to continue? And, you oh, know, please. We started off in the through. 70s. Take us to the 80s, 90s. Up uh, okay. where we are today. Mm-hmm. want to hear it all. all right. Okay. So uh, from there, um, I went to work for a couple of other smaller distributors. Um, and the reason I kept moving is because there was a consolidation going on at the time. So the bigger companies get, kept getting bigger by buying out smaller companies so uh, when I first started in Northern California, there were about 20 some odd wholesalers. And today there's like three. That gives you a, an idea of what happened in terms of uh, consolidation. So in about 1983, I uh, went to work as a supplier. So I'm working as a supplier and um, I, get a, I get a job offer from then the president of uh, Southern Wine and Spirits in Northern California, Marcus Friedland. And he said, I, I would love for you to come work for the company as a, as a division manager. And I asked him, I said, well, what territory? What, what do you want me to do? He said, the East Bay. Didn't realize when he said the East Bay meant from the Oregon border down to Fresno. <laughs> oh my gosh. So he meant, we were, yeah. The oh, whole East Bay. Yeah. 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 So we were starting out in those days. Southern was a much, much smaller company. And, uh, but it was a great, great company to work for way back when, um, a lot of great people were brought into the picture. And, um, one of my, um, sort of idols in the business or somebody I admired a lot, was a gentleman by the name of Vince Martin. I must mention his name. Uh, he's no longer with us today. Uh, Vince was the president. He took over from Marcus Friedland. He was the president of uh, Southern Wine and Spirits of Northern California. And then eventually Jack Brennan took that role. And uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but Vince was, he's, he's somebody who pushed me out of my comfort zone all the time. And it really bugged me because I was very comfortable in doing what I was doing. I had a beautiful team uh, of about 12 salespeople that I had built. I'd hired pretty much most of them. And then all of a sudden, he moves me into a different role in the company. And I asked him why. He said, I really need you there. But at the time, I didn't realize that, you know, I, I, I sort of didn't realize what he was doing is he was actually making me grow uh, because even though it wasn't something I was comfortable with, I learned. I learned a lot about calling on chains because he put me in to the chain department. And then from there, 
he took me out of the chain department and put me in as a division manager for the on-premise. I never had any on-premise experience up until that, that point. And then years later, I realized, you know, that he was really helping me and helping me in my career. So um, miss him all the time. I mean, he was just a, just a great guy. Um, I'll fast forward a little bit. My last job with a company was with Sazerac. And uh, at Sazerac, I had a bunch of different roles. I started out as a division manager in 10 Western states, built a small team of, of uh, managers that managed uh, different areas. And um, I had a great, great boss. His name was uh, Bill Panas, And Bill is no longer with us today as well. And he became a very, very dear friend and someone who pushed me out of my comfort zone as well, too. But he always did it in a very compassionate way. And I knew that he really meant well and he would be there for me, you know, and, and if I fell, he would pick me up and help me along. Thankfully, that never happened. And then came along. Now, I'm telling you about three people I really admire, you know, that helped me along in my career. And I must give a lot of credit to uh, Mark Brown, who's now the CEO of Sazerac. And um, Mark gave me the ability to grow outside of my job description, because uh, I think we all know who we work for today. Mm -hmm. Our jobs are very, very defined and the descriptions are very defined. I kept leaping out of my job description at, at Sazerac. And I first did it by asking Mark for permission. And without hesitation, he said, sure, whatever you want to do. Today, that would not fly. <laughs> so uh, anything that I wanted to do, whether it, uh, we didn't have a, a national account division at the time, and I started you know, just calling on national accounts. I don't want to say I get bored easy, but I'm always looking for a challenge, Bridget, you know? Sure. So. So um, I started to do some business with the likes of uh, Chili's, On the Border, Outback Steakhouse, uh, the Palm Steakhouse, Chevy's. And in those days, we had Herodora. Uh, that was one of our brands. From that point on, uh, I never had to uh, ask Mark. I just started to take on new roles. I, I always tell people I wore many, many hats at Sazerac. And uh, I think it really benefited all of us, because I would not have the experience that I have in the industry today if it wasn't for me uh, taking those you know, chances. And um, so, Mark, wherever you are in Kentucky, thank you very much. I really <laughs> appreciate you, Matt. And about a little over eight years ago, about eight, eight and a half years ago now, I retired. And at the time that I did, um, a couple of my suppliers wanted me to stay on. And uh, I accepted the, uh, the roles that I have today, and that's uh, on a consulting basis. I consult today for Siete Leguas globally and uh, also uh, for an agave nectar uh, here in California and Arizona as well, too. That's amazing. I mean, you've yeah. probably seen so much in your career, and I want to kind of stay with that for just a second here, Dave. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners some of the positive changes that you've seen in our industry? Sure, Bridget. Um, first off, uh, when I first got in the wine business, uh, I'm going to use one word and one word pretty much sums up uh, everything and it's called education. So when I first got in the business, 
the average American consumer, and I'm here in California, mind you, the Napa Valley and Sonoma are 45 minutes from my home, okay? Even though there was really nice wine being made in California, most people were drinking things like Pink Chablis, Vin Rosé, Annie Green Springs, Boone's Farm, and whatever. So with the help of a lot of people who actually started to pair foods and wines, just educators who, uh, you know, chefs who actually did some dishes uh, with wine, that helped to educate people to start putting table wine um, in their sort of everyday lives. So the varietal started to uh, help things along. And I don't want to downplay it uh, as a bad thing, but actually White Zinfandel, when it started in the 70s, was very instrumental in, in uh, changing people's drinking habits to now drinking Sauvignon Blancs, Chardonnays, Merlots, Zinfandels. So that is, you know, one aspect of change. The other change, I think, came from the bar world. There were not mixologists. There were very serious bartenders who thought of bartending as a profession. But to, to see the transformation of what happened in the on-premise with uh, people, you know, kind of like Adele DeGroff, a Tony Abuganam, and even Julio Bermejo at Tommy's, to get people to drink really, really good ingredients in cocktails and make it fun, too, at the same time. So uh, I think those are two of the um, changes, I think, that, that make the industry what it is today. So uh, you, would, you would say also that vodka, before there was a Tito's, pretty much everybody that drank Gilby's or Gordon's, I mean, that was considered like a premium. And then came along Smirnoff and Kettle One and Grey Goose. And, um, you know, so people's education and their appreciation for drinking better started to happen. But I also have to give a lot of credit to the bar world as well. Uh, people who are did the, the conversations across the bar with, with patrons. So, yeah. As yeah, wait staff as well, too. Servers uh, who played a very big role in that. So yeah. lots of changes and uh, all for the better. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, I think we have a much more sophisticated consumer yes. than we have ever had before that have very high expectations when they enter a bar or a restaurant when it comes to flavor, where, and especially coming out of COVID, you know, where they put their dollar. Yes, I agree 100%. Yeah. Can you tell me about you know, how and when you met your partners in the Tag Global Spirit Awards, Mr. Tony Abaganam and Mr. Julio Bermejo would love to know the stories behind okay. that. Yeah. Okay. So um, when I first went to work for Sazerac in 93, uh, I got a phone call uh, from some salesperson. I can't remember who it was, but uh, he worked at Young's Market at the time. And he said, hey, um, there's a restaurant that I want you to uh, meet the proprietor. He wants to meet you. So about, I want to say uh, I was with the company about a month and um, I went, I drove over to San Francisco and I met Julio Bermeo, uh, probably November of 1993. And he told me about, you know, his dreams of, you know, building a very serious tequila bar. And he wanted Herodura to be very much a part of that. 
And uh, shortly after that, um, I met Tony. And I think the first time I met Tony, he was working in um, not the Starlight Room, but it was um, it's on Fillmore Street in San Francisco. So, yeah, that's where we met. And uh, so if I could just expand on the relationship as it built, Julio and I became very, very close friends. As a matter of fact, uh, when he was married, I was the best man at his wedding. And uh, that's Mm -hmm. called the Padrino, okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, to he and Lily. And so I'm very, very close with the family as well, too. Um, And then with Tony, when he first went to work for the Bellagio, he said, to me, um, I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, you know, he said, I think I want to write a book. And I said, well, I think I know a writer who who would love to write that book with you. And till today, she's still my girlfriend after all these years. And that's Mary Faulkner. So I put Mary and and Tony together to write his books. And, uh, you know, at, at times, you know, I'm sure they were they spent a lot of time writing those books, you know, together. And so, uh, so yeah, we've, we've, we've come a long way and we're very dear friends. And uh, I could say this, that when Tony first approached Julio and I, one day we were, we were in San Francisco and uh, he basically just dropped it on us. He said, you know, we should, we should own our own spirits competition. We need to do this. So didn't think much of it. You know, I thought it was a great idea, but years passed and uh, maybe three or four years ago, we started to get real serious about it and started putting together all the, you know, the pieces of the puzzle together. And I have to say, this has been one of the most exciting things that I've been involved with in a long time. And I'm really happy to really be part of it. Uh, I'm not afraid to, to say what my age is. So, you know, um, should I say that? Hey, go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm 76 years old. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, for me, retirement is way, way overrated. And uh, (laughs) for me to be part of this, it's just fantastic. I mean, I am 76, but I'm more like 36. Um, I keep in good shape and uh, my health is good, knock on wood. And so I'm just real excited to see this thing grow. And because I really feel that we're doing all the right things um, and help, and there's the give back uh, that we're doing as well to charities. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had just love the story of you guys coming together and you don't look your age, David. I've met you in person many times. My God. I was like a little, it's like a little sticker shock over here when you said amazing. I think it has, well, first off, thank, I have to thank my parents for that, for the genes. <laughs> but I, I think if you really are enjoying your life, I think, you know, you, you grow gracefully, you know, and that's, sure. that's what I'm, you know, that's what I hopefully can attribute it to. Um, and so, and having a wonderful girlfriend like Mary, I think helps a lot. Yeah. Mary's really, a doll. I love her. Mary's super smart. And uh, yes. And she's, I have to say one thing that uh, she's helping me. You can't see it. It's over here. But I ordered something from Ikea. And when it came, I was ready to throw it out. <laughs> it was all the parts. And she built it in 45 minutes. I oh, of course she did. Yeah. 
<laughs> but that's Ikea for you. I mean, that's for yeah. anybody. I don't exactly. like when the Ikea packages come either. So yeah. <laughs> I tell you, no, too many instructions, too many parts and pieces for sure. Exactly. Let's yeah. talk a bit about the the TAG Awards. Sure. You know, I would love to really understand, you know, how the three of you put your heads together to come up with this fantastic platform that you have, because it's completely unique from anything in the Spirits Award um, category, right, sure. in sure. the world. It right. is so different, so unique, and it does have things that you all do that others just simply do not. So you just, you offer so much, so much more to the judges and to the consumer as well. Can we talk about yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely, Bridge. Um, so we, we looked at, you know, competitors, okay? And we thought, well, you know, we could do things like them or we could do things to change things up, Okay. So we threw a whole bunch of things sort of on a board because we had a lot of time to prepare for this. Okay. So these ideas came about uh, from putting, you know, all these crazy ideas on a board, like getting consumers involved with dinners, with educational platforms. Eventually um, we're probably going to include some trips, maybe for aficionados that want to go to Cognac and Armin. Okay. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, people do that all the time in, in other you know industries. Mm-hmm. So if we have experts to take aficionados who are very passionate about uh, a certain region or want to learn more about it, why can't we do that? So that's really on the boards. OK, for us, some of the other things that we're doing is we're really involving uh, suppliers, not just you know, give us your brand, give us your money, and we'll give you your your score. Okay. We want you to be part of it. We want you to come and educate our consumers, mingle with our judges, um, because our judges are coming from four continents. So it's beneficial for you to meet somebody who's, you know, very uh, influential, let's say in uh, Singapore. If you ever want to do business in Singapore, you have somebody who is very well connected in, in that region. So, yeah, we want to expand on that uh, as well. You know, this is only our second year. And um, the first year, I think, I don't want to say I was in shock, but to, to have it go as smoothly as it did uh, was really, you know, I mean, I was, I had to pinch myself, seriously. So, and that wouldn't have happened uh, without the help of some of the back of the house people that we have. And uh, some of, you know, people like Andrea, for mm-hmm. example, because without Andrea, I mean, she's, yeah. know, uh, I think we're all kind of like with those little robots, you know, just bumping into each other. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, there's, there's just so much more that we can do, but everything has its, its rightful time and place. And we don't want to rush things, but, um, but I think the opportunities are there for us to, to do a lot of really, really great things. And um, I tried to reach Tony uh, yesterday because I thought of something um, after speaking with a a retailer, which I won't mention. uh, And uh, he's probably going to come to the event this year. He wants to uh, maybe even make a donation to Helen David Relief Fund. And um, I thought of something that we could potentially do in silent auctions, which we didn't have last year. 
And I think it would go extremely well. I'm not going to talk about it today because it's not really uh, been approved yet, but I think I would be uh, very excited about it when you hear about it. Yeah, I think that that's really cool. You know, what I love about the TAG Global Spirit Awards is that you are always evolving. You know, even though last year was so fantastic, it went so smooth, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just still just growing it, right? Taking that success and then taking it to the next level. And that's, you know, what I see happening um, to somebody really from almost, well, part of the tag family, but from the outside as well. And I think every year that we're going to see you guys really add some really cool programming to keep it fresh, keep it exciting. So like you said, so it's not stagnant, right? Really, I think you guys are going to be very instrumental in giving us those ideas as well, too, because it's not just the three of us coming up with these ideas. It's, it's, it's the group. It's, it's everybody who's involved. I mean, I think that's collaboratively, uh, that's the best way to, to, uh, and, and there's nothing that's out of reach. Okay. It may not be the right time and place, but if it's a good idea, we can, we can always definitely entertain something like that, you know, because I think what we want to do is we want to really, you know, separate ourselves from the way this sort of competition has been done, you know, in the past. And uh, we want to build on something that's really, really great where consumers, suppliers, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll use that word again, education, because I think there's an education factor as well too, that plays very much in this. So, um, and it's a lot of fun. You know, we had, uh, we had a great event up on the 70th floor at Skyfall uh, at the Delano Hotel. And uh, that went off really well. And, uh, you know, I got to break out the uh, tuxedo once a year. <laughs> I used to wear it a lot more, but not, not, that, not that often anymore. Um, and uh, it was just a beautiful evening with a lot of beautiful people having a wonderful time. And then for uh, the three of us to raise that check, for $30,000 for, for the USBG and the Helen David Relief Fund. That was very, very special. We're hoping um, this year it's going to be more. And um, we think there's going to be some added elements that help that along as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's such a great party. You know, the pink tie party is amazing. What a great celebration and Absolutely. such a wonderful, wonderful cause to give that award to. It's just amazing. So I I had a great time. I was there. I can't wait to be there again in 2023. Can you give our folks, you know, just just leave them maybe with one last thought about the Tag Global Spirit Awards, you know, like if they attend, what to expect? And are you talking about uh, suppliers, consumers or? Everybody, because everybody listens. So, you know, so. So as far as entries, if you have a, a brand and you know, let's say you entered last year, I think without a doubt, um, the feedback that we got is we're in again. OK, sponsors that were part of it last year are back in. Uh, they uh, they told us right there on the spot. Um, don't even think about it. Um, I want in next year and I might even come in in a bigger way as well, too. Because without them, I mean, we need their help as well to to do these dinners, these educational platforms, and such. Um, so, for those uh, of the brands that did not enter last year, I urge you to really consider entering uh, Tag 
one of the reasons is not only, um, you know, some of the uh, the judges, for starters, are, I think, the most, you know, influential people in their in their world. I mean, they, they have tremendous backgrounds. And um, I think we have the best judging panel, you know, on the planet uh, of, you know, that that I've seen. And I've been on I've been judging myself uh, in other competitions as well for 25 plus years. I think if you again, if you if you haven't um, entered your spirits or you're this year, we're taking on Celsius and RTDs. Uh, we had a lot of requests for that last year and we weren't taking them on because we wanted to be we wanted our competition to go very smoothly. So we were hoping not to have any hiccups. And so now that we think we have a better handle on things, we can and we're adding that extra day in the competition to uh, to take on those uh, as well. So nothing rushing. There's uh, there's nothing rushed or, about what we do. Um, secondly, on a supplier level, I think there's a lot of suppliers that couldn't participate last year due to COVID and uh, just some restrictions that they got corporately you know, from their headquarters that, you know, we don't want you to participate in any competitions or we don't want people to fly, you know, um, you guys are grounded and, and budgets were kind of sort of tied up, you know, quite a bit. And so I think that will give us a, a, a greater scope to, uh, to include more suppliers. And same thing with the consumers. I, I remember when we arrived into Las Vegas and we had to go to the hotel when Tony drove down, I forget the name of the street and we're going into Mandalay Bay. There were no other cars on the road. And when do you ever see that in Las Vegas? I mean, it's uh, like, yeah, you weird. don't, you it don't. Looked, it looked like a ghost town. Right. And, and uh, you know, just to think of how many people did attend our dinners and, um, but I could say this, that I have friends here that live in, in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, that want to attend. As a matter of fact, my neighbor just down the street, they're coming. And so, you know, they, they made it a point. You know, it's like, yeah, I want to be part of this. So I want to go to the dinners, blah, blah, blah. I think just by having the the ban on travel and and what have you uh, lifted, I think it's, it's going to bring a lot more people um, into appreciating what we're we're doing and uh i think they'll get a lot out of it as well too i mean um if you have an opportunity to listen to uh, uh livio loro uh, or a francesco la franconi talk about italian spirits you know that's that right there is worth the price of admission or if you go to a dinner and julio mm -hmm. bermejo is talking about tequila or tony talking about vodka you know we have just tremendous surrounding of of a lot of wonderful experienced people in the industry and i think consumers have a lot to uh to gain out of it i can't uh say that that word again is is it is a lot of fun trust me when i tell you you know <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing what we did we did it very seriously but we had a lot of fun as well too and thank god for you know some of the suppliers you know the russells Mm -hmm. uh, that came from Wild Turkey. I mean, th those guys were just a delight. I was the host that uh, you were there. At that. I was there. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And and they're they're just uh, Bruce and his dad just did uh, just they knocked it out of the park. 
And same thing with the guys from Garrison Brothers. I thought they were wonderful. And they're, again, um, involved again this year. I know Tony's had a lot of conversations with them. So um, I'm really looking forward to year two and beyond. So I think it can only get greater and greater. So happy to have you involved too. I'm so happy to be involved as, you know, the executive director of education and judges and happy to see what goes on behind the scenes. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I mean, look out for 2023 because we have just a really exciting program for all of you. And we can't wait to see you in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, David, I want to just take a minute on behalf of the Served Up family, just to thank you so much for being on this show today. I want to wish you some... Well, thank you. And I want to wish you great health and just a whole lot of peace, brother. Thank you very much for being on Served Up and cheers to you. Cheers to the Tag Global Spirit Awards. I am just so excited to see the program for 2023. Bridget, you're awesome. Hey, Served Up friends, Julie here. I am thrilled to tell you about the 15th annual Food Network New York City Wine and Food Festival taking place soon, October 13th through the 16th for its 15th year. Food Network personalities and more than 400 chefs, mixologists, and wine and spirit producers will come together to create an unforgettable Epicurean experience comprised of tastings, dinners, parties, brunches, lunches, masterclasses, and more. 100% of the net proceeds from New York City Wine and Food Festival go to God's Love We Deliver. God's Love We Deliver is New York City's leading provider of medically tailored meals and nutrition counseling for individuals living with severe illnesses. To date, New York City Wine and Food Festival has raised more than $14 million for its charitable causes. The festival provides a platform for the charity, which has a presence at events through activations and speaking opportunities that help strengthen existing relationships in the food, beverage, and hospitality industry, and also create new ones from on-site interactions. We are so excited to share that the Served Up crew will also be on the ground, bringing you the behind the scenes action at the festival. We hope you join us to eat, drink, and feed New York City by purchasing tickets on sale now at www.nycwff.org. And don't forget to follow at Served Up Podcast on all your favorite platforms. And if you're a long-term listener, please, Leave a review. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers. Cheers.